0: Now we're joined in the studio this morning by Sinn Féin's Maurice Quinlevin, and very shortly we're going to be chatting about uh, the overcrowding at University Hospital Limerick but Morris, you were telling me during the break that uh, a lady that we uh, covered a news story about during the pandemic, Irene Ahern, has very sadly passed away. A phenomenal woman um, from your part of the city.
1: Yeah, she was a phenomenal person, a great neighbour, a wonderful neighbour to have. Um, We lived just around the corner. I grew up. Irene was like an auntie to me in more ways. It was was a privilege for me to be there on Good Friday the day she died. I was with her for a small while with her daughters. Um, She was wonderful in the community. She was involved in the credit union. She was involved in the church. She was involved in tenants' rights, uh, differential rent scheme at the time was brought in. Uh, She had a wonderful family. She was widowed young, um, brought up a great family. They've all done really, really well. Um, Just... A real loss, and I understand that she was the first person ever to sleep in the Ballante area, so she was the first into the home, yeah. first person to sleep there. She always reminded us of that, but a stalwart of the credit union, a stalwart of the church, and a good neighbour, always helped out neighbours. Great advice, and I even saw some of the comments people put on families' posts on Facebook about um, good advice she always gave to them, people who were new to the area, people who lived in the area. Um, a wonderful woman, and it's, it's really an end of, a, end of an era. First person to sleep in And she got into her almost her 102nd year. So it was one, it was a wonderful achievement, wonderful family. and Yeah,
0: I'm a big sure, loss sure to sure the area. Piece, yeah, uh, and uh, loss, yeah. Uh, I, I remember when she was celebrating her 100th uh, birthday, obviously the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything, they, they couldn't do what they wanted to do, but the family did as much as they could and outside the windows and all the celebrations. but uh, And her daughter, Mary Casey, talked to us. Uh, about her at the time, but our condolences go out to all the family. She certainly made her mark and did so much for for the wider community yeah, in, in Valenti. She, she
1: was a wonderful person, like she was. As I said, she was a wonderful neighbor, a good person. You know, yeah. and she would be missed.
0: Maris, you're here this morning because you've raised once again the shocking numbers as over 2,000 people were found in trolleys in UHL as the issue of overcrowding continues. And then in addition to this, we had 3,500 appointments and operations cancelled over a two-month period in December and January. This really sounds like not just horrific problems for now, but we are pushing horrific problems down yeah. the line because those appointments, those operations, they still have to happen.
1: Yeah, the appointments still have to happen and I don't want to scare people, but everybody will be well aware that a delayed appointment might lead to a worse outcome or to a more severe um, issue with, with the person but look we've had a catastrophic year last year in the numbers at ho- in the hospital over 18,000 people waiting um, the only month where we've ever seen any decrease in our hospital trolley figures going in the other direction down was in January and that was because it was a specific intervention which isn't sustainable but what we need to see is uh, all of government approaching to this and it means funding the local councils funding the whole care, home care uh packages so when people are ready to leave the hospital they can leave the hospital but we have to have a hospital that's fit for purpose the hsc have been putting out and it's incredible the amount of times they've done this now advising people not to turn up to the and i don't know anybody who would go to the emergency department in university of the hospital of limerick unless they were advised to go to by the doctor or felt incredibly sick and had no other alternative to go to and unfortunately we've seen in different times not all the time but we've seen at different times where there is no option there's no gp available the shannon doc hasn't worked sometimes um and then Obviously, there's people in the hospitals who are ready to go home, but there's nowhere to bring them because there's no family support around them, or there's no home help, care, home care packages, or help to help them. Now, I know a number of families I've been dealing with myself who've been approved for home care packages that would be home help to help the person in their home, but there's actually no one physically available to do that stuff. And that brings us back to the <laughs> discussion you had earlier about dental procedures where we're having that problem. We have a problem with CAMs with the mental health services in the Midwest region. Um, and again, it's coming down to a lack of man- proper, not proper management, a lack of um, investment. And a lot, uh, the biggest issue we're facing probably at the moment is recruitment and retention of staff and and that is having a massive impact. But as we said, it's not just 2,000 people waiting on trolleys in March, but it's the amount of hospital appointments that have been cancelled and how long will they be cancelled <laughs> for, when will they be rescheduled, will they be in the Midwest region. I know people now travelling to Cork and and Kerry for, for appointments. Some are being sent to Galway as well. And they've been sent where, where they would have thought those operations would have taken place in UHL, Croom or probably Nina or Ennis are now tra- tra- transferring outside of the Midwest and whilst they're happy to get the appointment it doesn't always do it an awful lot of people they have to stay overnight, sometimes they don't have to transport themselves to get to those areas so that's causing further stress mm. to people yeah. and their families
0: But Mars, th- are there are no real quick fix solutions to this. I mean, if you're passing UHL and Doerr you can see the scaffolding, you can see the building going up. They are building um, onto the hospital. They they will have more beds and there are plans to build more after that. Yeah, but um, and it's all going to take time. No, so
1: I, I accept that on, on the thing and we are we have to realise where we're at. Like if you look at St. James's Hospital in Dublin where last year they had what 48,000 people presented to the ED and they had 698 staff whereas UHL had 80 uh, seventy six thousand people are presenting with a hundred or with six hundred staff, or you know, so we had way more, less staff, with way more people presenting. We have <coughs> the we go back to the crisis in two thousand and nine where the three other emergency. We, we departments, know all the
0: reasons, but yeah. what, what about the the, the solution that everybody, uh, you know, texts okay. in open St John's, open Ennis, open Nina, all those emergency departments, open them, and that'll. That'll help yeah, the problem. We, we what ne- do you think about that?
1: Well, I think what we need to do is we need to look at every option that's available to us to open Does that
0: include opening those emergency if departments? That, if
1: that's what we can do and that's what we should do. Like you know, so I would be committed to opening those three emergency departments if that's what we could do. Um I have no problem with that. But Do you
0: think it would solve the problem?
1: It would solve the problem, but how long would it take is, is my concern. My concern is that we get we get uh, the University Hospital Limerick, that's actually there, we get that fit for purpose. That that's the biggest Way and the fastest way that we can solve the problem we have at the moment for the vast bulk of people. An awful lot of people, and Professor Lyon said this here nationally in January, that a lot of people who present themselves to the ED could be treated in other different places. So that would be ramping up the minor injury units that we have in ENA, in Ena Ines, and NINA. That's
0: kind job. of contradicting your point, um, uh, Morris, in the sense that you just said nobody presents at the ED in no. Doyle unless they need to. No. I mean, no, so,
1: I mean they start, could be
0: going to the minor, minor injury
1: I'm saying then so as I said if there was alternative options to people which there isn't in, in many cases so people don't aren't able to access a GP, the gp out of services uh, gp services can be very limited and people can't access them quite often people are referred to by their gp and they should go to the hospital What I was saying there was, um, it's, it's incredibly distressing for myself and others to hear the HSC telling people not to come to the University Hospital Limerick when they actually need it, when they actually need to go to that. And I would, I would repeat that. I put it on my social media over the weekend. If you're sick, go to the hospital. It's a very, very important thing to do. Um, but we are where we are and we need to get out of the, the mess we're in. As you say, there's scaffolding out in UHL, but there should be three lots of those scaffolding. You know, there's plans for 96 bed units, but the other two haven't really been confirmed. In that the funding has been approved, the plans haven't been agreed. We need to build this tree of the same things. But what we actually need to, what we can do in the here and now is look at the the problems around staffing. We make sure the staff who actually work in the hospital stay in the hospital, and that's not the case. Many are leaving. We need to make sure that all vacant positions, like I think there's something like 68 non consultant doctors vacant in in the hospital. If
0: Sinn Fein were in power, What's the first thing you the, would do? The
1: first thing we would do is we would put in uh, what we've said this a number of kids, uh, we'd start the hiring of 6,000 additional staff across the health service that would be a cost of 3.3 uh, 3 billion And extra. how long
0: would it take to have those staff well, actually working on the To be, to the be honest I'm not
1: going to say we're going to fix that in the morning because nobody can say that and that would be the mess we've been left with um, but if people had listened to us a number of years ago, we wouldn't be in the mess we're, we're in now. But what I can tell people is that uh, Sinn Féin government, and I hope there will be one soon, will invest in our health service so that people will have a health service they can be proud of, one that they don't have to fear going to, and one that will work for people so that when you're actually sick, you will get the health and service that you need. That, so you're going the, to
0: spend more money than the current government on the health service. Spend more
1: money on on the on, the, on the, some of the issues and t- the issues they haven't tackled, and that would be if you look, for instance, I was in I was in a hospital in. in in the west of England recently in Reading which is west of London and they had a note on their notice board was advertisement for the camogie team of that hospital you know so the, and that gives you the scale mm, of the amount of nurses a staff that we've left for, from, from wow. our state. We need to make sure the staff who are actually working here at the moment uh, are retained we need to make sure the staff that have left So that means
0: paying them more, does it? That
1: means paying them more. So can you commit
0: that the nurses will get more money under a shift?
1: What we're committing is we're putting 3.3 billion euros extra, which we funded and we put into all our previous uh, pre-budget submissions. That money will be there to make sure we hire 6,000 additional staff. We won't hire 6,000 additional staff unless we retain the ones we have in the service. And to do that, you have to... And it's not just pay. A lot of nurses will tell you uh, one of the key problems they have it's not their pay, it's their rent they're paying actually in Dublin, in Limerick, in Cork, and particularly in, in, in the main cities of Galway, Limerick, Cork, and Dublin they of, of accommodation, mm-hmm. but also they're telling you about is the long hours they have to work and it's the lack of progression they're getting. Whereas if they travel to Australia, they can skill up, upskill quicker. Uh, other countries can upskill quicker. And you can see there's an exodus of not just from our health service to Canada and Australia at the
0: moment. Okay. I want to take a quick break because I do want to ask you about the US President Joe Biden's visit as well. So we are chatting to uh, Sinn Fein's. Mars Quinlivan about UHL. I'm just going to give you some of the comments, Morris, that people are saying on our phone and text line. Dermot says, More Sinn Féin rhetoric give us solutions for once... Not pointing at the obvious action, not reactions. As Dermot Michael says, is uh, Morris Quinlivan saying that they have looked at every option already? Uh, what are they looking at for the last ten years? And another text says Sinn Fein are going to find the money from nowhere, find staff from nowhere. Happy days! Gosh, the joys of spoofing. <laughs> so I suppose that's just kind of a smattering of, of yeah, you know look, people's I reaction.
1: I can understand people are frustrated, but we do have a plan there. You know, I, I, I outlined that we would put three point three billion extra into the health service. I outlined that we don't uh, hire six thousand additional staff, we will produce a comprehensive policy and we have been talking about this for a number of years. And if some of the if some of the solutions we had been talking about had been implemented, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in now.
0: Okay, I want to move on to the visit of US President Joe Biden. We spoke yesterday to one of our colleagues in Belfast uh, about his visit to Northern Ireland and how important that was. But he's also coming uh, down here as well. And you're going to, uh, you, you're under strict, in, strict instructions, I believe, to be in the doll for a specific time. Um, how important is this visit?
1: I think it's hugely important. Um, we have probably, most of us won't remember John F. Kennedy. We weren't around uh, when he was around. Um, but this is a, well, this is probably the most Irish of, of American presidents. So it's, it is huge. And President Biden has been instrumental in ensuring that the protocol was um, maintained in the North. And the protocol is it might confuse people what it's about, but it was mm-hmm. about protecting the fact that we don't go back to a hard border on the island of Ireland, which would ultimately would have damaged and undermined the Good Friday Agreement and the peace process. And President Biden has come to ireland to reinforce that there would be no trade deal with the uk he said it on numerous occasions um senior us politicians have said the same thing probably on the instructions from president biden that there would be no uk american trade deal if the protocol was damaged and this is hugely important for a small country like ourselves you know so it's it's very important but it's very important He's coming in to address the joint sitting of the doll and the shannon tomorrow i'm looking forward to that um it's a privilege for myself to be there it's great to be sitting in the same room as a US president. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what he says, but you know, we have a huge dependence on foreign direct investment, a lot of that coming from, from North America and the Americans have a huge, um, hundred thousand jobs created in America are from Irish companies. So yeah. there is, there is cross. It works
0: both ways. It works both
1: ways. Uh, yeah. So we, as we strengthen, you know, and you know, go back to the previous thing where we were talking about, there we have, we have raised the money we, we where we can fix the health service. But as we strengthen those um, relationships, it's great to see the president of the America of United States of America coming to. To, to, to Dublin, to Ireland. Um, he's going to Mayo. He's in Dundalk. I think as we speak, he's probably heading to Dundalk. He's going to Mayo mm. after the Dáil tomorrow. We'll forgive um, him
0: for not coming to Limerick. We've had a few presidents here, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, we would hope he might have flown in
1: and... or Shannon or something. We, yeah. could have, we could have got something out of that, <laughs> you know. But look, it is actually great that he's landed on the island of Ireland and he spent time in the north as well. Look, Unfortunately, I, I, I'm sure as, as we would wish that the Assembly and the institutions in the north were up and running. And you know we can see what we can see what the blockage there and the blockage there is that Sinn Féin won that election and the first the deputy or the, the the first minister mm-hmm. in situ is Michelle O'Neill and some people have a problem with that okay. you know but look President Biden if anybody can get it over the line it will be himself um, but look I'm looking forward to that thing tomorrow but he has been a good friend of Ireland North and South and mm-hmm. the protocol you know might people in Limerick might be not concerned that much about it but it's hugely important for all of us that we maintain okay. the uh, no hard border.
0: Thanks for no joining us this morning. Sinn Fein's Morris Grillevin. Your views,
1: your news, your lyric today. With Gillian Devlin in for Joe
0: Nash on Live 95.